Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Listening live to In Much Less Detail, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here at you live on a Saturday night, December the 17th, 2016. I'm Dre, he's Jay. Depending on where you are in the country, it's either get under your bed weather and avoid the tornado warnings or break out the cocoa and blankets weather because it's freezing cold or some combination of all of the above. Uh, or maybe if you're lucky, you're in Arizona and you're just laughing at everybody and wondering why everyone doesn't move to your state. But NFL Week 15 is upon us, starting Thursday night, continuing tonight with a game so interesting and scintillating that Jay just informed me before we went on the air that he forgot it was on and hasn't seen any of it, which is completely understandable because who the hell cares about the Dolphins and the Jets? But anyway, the rest of Week 15 picks coming up. Uh, started off Thursday night, Jason, as we both had a, a dual lock going. Not that the locks mean anything because you have it clinched for this season, but we both liked the Seattle Seahawks giving 15 points against the terrible, terrible Los Angeles Rams. And one of us liked it so much that they, they broke out the, the Nostradamus and, and they predicted the final score live on this very show on our last show. So got to give a the props and congratulations to you for that. That doesn't happen often that we nail a score completely. I mean, right down to the final 24 to three. I actually had called the game 24, nothing until you informed me that John Fossil had special teams coaching experience. And then I rescinded that and said, you know what? (laughs) I'm going to give him three points. Um, because he's a special teams coach and that ends up being the final of the game. So I'll give you the assist on that one, but still, you know, I, put the the, I, I put the ball in the hoop. You threw the <laughs> ball to me, but uh, 24 to three, I had the 24 the whole time. And then out of pity, and I gave them the three. Um, it doesn't, I'll it doesn't magic for any career. Yeah, it doesn't count skew over, for anything. Skew 80s yeah. at least once. <laughs> That's right. You can be my you can be my wingman anytime. Um, oh, boy. oh, we're killing it already tonight. <laughs> um, yeah. So it doesn't count for anything extra, which I wish it did. That I that we nailed a score uh, completely, right right down to the perfect everything on that one. But the game was far from perfection. Um, that game was just horrible to watch and the rams oh the rams this is the first time i'd really spent any time with the rams and i mean jared goff was just missing wide open guys they couldn't 
convert on, you know, basically like fourth and a foot. That team is just the worst. And what was Todd Gurley talking about? The high school offense or whatever? That looked like eighth grade. <laughs> That's Pop Warner right there. Ooh. There was a there was Amazing. a throw that, that Jared Goff had to a guy. Jared Goff had a throw to a guy who was so wide open in the end zone. And there's nobody within like five, ten yards of the guy, and he threw the ball behind him, and he, the guy fell over trying to adjust to it. My wife even reacted to that one. She's not a football fan. She's certainly not a, a L.A. Rams or St. Louis Rams fan. My wife even looked up at that and said, oh. And I looked at her and said, you're a Rams fan now? She said, no, I just wanted him to catch it. So even she felt sorry for them. <laughs> even she could tell which team didn't belong on the field out there and wound up sort of rooting for the Rams because they just – they they make you feel sorry for them. They make you kind of go, oh, those poor guys. Those and poor then you watch Rams. The, those poor Rams. And then you watch the uh, the the fake punt on on fourth down when they're already up by a bunch to the Seahawks and and Pete Carroll and what team uh, would do this up three touchdowns the Seahawks yeah that's a good nominee uh, run a fake punt with their punter running free in the middle of the field with nobody around him starts to bobble the ball starts to cough it up bumbling stumbling tripling all over himself and then f- by the time he gets control of it somebody whacks him and and knocks him out and. and gives him a concussion how do you how do you get your punter concuss what what are you doing out there i'm all for aggressive football i'm all for running it up and taking advantage of a team that you're supposed to take advantage of but um that might be a little over the top that might be as bad as say throwing the ball on first and goal or or second and goal from the one yard line which the seahawks did that again and almost got another turnover another interception again and richard sherman was quite pissed off at that as as well he should be i'm sure he had flashbacks i'm sure everybody on that team had bad flashbacks to that super bowl they're just now getting over the trauma of that just now paying for hundreds of dollars of counseling to try to get over that and they do it again so i don't know what the hell daryl bevel's this fetish and it's not even daryl bevel's necessarily by himself this is league wide i'm sure you would agree with that there's way too many pass attempts on first and goal or whatever and goal from the one yard line it's a yard i said it after that super bowl and i'll say it again get a fucking yard you don't have to throw the ball from the one to get a fucking yard this is league wide it's an epidemic and i'm really getting sick of it no you'll see these teams they'll get down to the inside the five-yard line, and they'll run four plays from the shotgun. Oh. That are all – we watched Oakland do this. Uh, We just complained about this in the Raider game with the Chiefs where Oakland finally got to the point where they could, you know, make that game tight late. And Derek Carr on third and fourth down threw really ugly fade balls into each one into each corner of the end zone for the most part. It just the worst play calling. And uh, the teams have fallen in love with this. Uh, it's usually a byproduct of the fact that they can't run the football. But you got to come on. You got to be able to, like you said, you got to be able to man up and, and, and get three feet or an inch. And all this, yeah, I could understand that lining up in the shotgun if you've got a dual threat quarterback, if you've got a quarterback who, you know, something breaks down and he can just drop that thing down and scramble and and run for it. But not everybody has that luxury. 
and and you take the threat away, especially if it's a quick pass. So there was no point to it. You could easily line up in a big formation and throw a quick pass to a guy out on the edge if you're just looking for a one-on-one matchup. But yeah, everybody's falling in love with it. It's the cool thing to do, but I'm with you. I don't agree. So things to break down and and parse and pick apart in a, a 24 to three victory for the Seahawks. I mean, they, they did what they're supposed to do uh, ultimately, but uh, it, it wasn't pretty. And there's certainly some things that make you kind of scratch your head a little bit still with the Seahawks. Was it by no means perfect? I mean, they're a good team. They, they were also coming off of one of their worst performances, if not their worst performance of the year in that game in green Bay. You know, we called this their get right game. But you're not going to mm-hmm. get all the way right. You know, you're not going to get all the. You, Russell Wilson threw those five picks um, against Gruden. Now, now, admittedly, most of three of those were questionably uh, not his fault. You know, when they're bouncing off dudes or he throws pretty balls and then somebody just goes and makes a great play on it. But still, you throw five picks, you got to be, you got to take a little bit into the next game with you. And the Seahawks ended up producing later in that game um, instead of doing what I thought they were going to do, which was just coming out early and just, just putting the Rams away the Rams with a little bit more cohesiveness um, had the ball in Seattle territory and inside that red zone a a few times early in that, in that game, in that first half, especially this with a better, with a better team, this might not have gone Seattle's way. And with a coach that isn't trying to prove something or trying to uh, do something special with his one chance of being a head coach, then you wouldn't have had the perfect score prediction because they should have had several field goals instead of just the one. But John Fossil really wanted to go high school offense and wound up going to, back to grade school. Okay, we got fourth and one at the seven-yard line or whatever. Ah, we don't need a field goal. Let's go for it. Go, you know, let's let's do it, boys. No, it. It was not going to work out for him. So, uh, and it also doesn't help when you're doesn't help either when you're missing guys wide open in the end zone. Yeah, that doesn't help either. Uh, so a lot of uh, sort of lack of professionalism there. John Fossil going with the high school offense. Pete Carroll going back to the BCS days, trying to run up the score and impress the committee uh, with the punter running on fourth down, already up by three scores. I I just don't understand that at all. So. It is what it is, and we both got that win, so we'll move on from there. Um, I can give a a little quick 10-second synopsis on what I've seen for the Miami Jets game. Uh, Miami, I think, had the lead at the half. Uh, They're not the better team right now. The Jets are playing better football. The Jets are actually playing for, I I guess they're playing for their coach Todd Bowles or whatever. They're playing Uh the type of defense that they're supposed to have played all season long, but they haven't been playing. And the reason Miami is still leading is because Bryce Petty blows and and every good throw that he makes, he's backed it up with a terrible throw. He's got a, uh, at least one interception. I, I don't want to say that I've watched the entire game and paid exact attention. He's got at least one pick and it was a bad one. Just threw it right to a guy. Um, so that's why Miami's leading. But I, I, I don't feel great about that pick. I can easily see the Jets coming back and winning that game in the second half. So I'll, I'll well, I got the game. That would, off. that would be good. It'll be good for you. You have the Jets. I have Miami. For those of you not following us on Twitter, uh, we have that pick already made earlier in the week. We had, we did that on Thursday night. 
uh, where, I, where you you tweeted it out originally that you had the uh, the Jets, and I replied to your tweet. So if you're following either one of us, you saw that. And on top of that, I went and made a blog post about it that night as well. So there's a couple of different ways you could have gotten that pick of ours. It's on the record, on the blog, and on Twitter that I have the Dolphins uh, minus two and a half, and you have the Jets. So we'll see how that shakes down. Uh, we'll have to wait an hour to see that because we got picks to make for the rest of week 15 in the 2016 NFL season. Before we do that, I will let you know that you are listening live to blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. To get this show and an after show, you can get the podcast version on iTunes. Just search for in much less detail the podcast or several different podcasting apps, including TuneIn, Mixcloud, Player.fm, and Blubbery, and whatever other app you may love. We may be on there, we may not, but just search for in much less detail and find out. As I said, we're on Twitter. I am at IMLDDre. Jason is at IMLDJTG. You can always send us an email. Shoot that to InMuchLessDetail at gmail.com. And that blog site to keep up with our picks is InMuchLessDetail.blogspot.com. And with that, week 15 in the NFL starting with our four highlight games. And Jason called that shot as well on the last show that the, the highlight games this week are very self-evident, and indeed they are, at least to us anyway. We're going to start in Kansas City where it go. Uh, depending on what reports you read, it's going to be somewhere in the single digits between two and eight degrees or whatever tomorrow. And Marcus Mariota was already sort of bitching about the weather uh, earlier in the week, talking about he's never played in weather like that. He tried on several gloves to see what would give him a good fit. Nothing's really seemed to work out, at least according to the reports. So we'll see how all of that shakes down tomorrow in the heartland. The Tennessee Titans and Marcus Mariota at seven and six. A lot of people's darlings to make a run and get a playoff spot. Ten and three, Kansas City our darlings because we picked them to win the AFC West and they're right there. They can, they can absolutely pull that off. Titans three and three on the road this year. Chiefs five and one at home. Titans are underdogs, six point underdogs to be exact at the chiefs, Tennessee plus six at Kansas city. Jason, who you got? Yeah, I'm not too, uh, I'm not too crazy about the fact about hearing that the team that's coming in from uh, Tennessee is already worried about the cold that, that means that there's already some sort of mental factor or anguish or an excuse let's say that's being built in that if they just all oh, if they just don't look right that it was the cold and we had to go on the road and you know the weather factored in a few weeks ago on a thursday night um with oakland coming to town and i didn't think that the weather would play a factor and the weather totally played a factor. That also, I think, though, had a factor because I think it amplified Derek Carr's hand injury with the finger on his throwing hand. But, you know, after that performance, I mean, Tennessee getting Denver in Nashville last week and, and clamping down and playing that the way they played it, barely winning that game doesn't give me a lot of confidence that they're going to be able to take that show on the road if they're not going to let Marcus Mariota out and let him try to get that football and get that thing moving. Cause we, we, we talked about it in that pick as well. In that Casey Oakland pick that Kansas city's defense, not the best, but we've also found out that Kansas city's defense is extremely opportunistic. So they'll, they do have those, 
They do have those guys on the back end. They have Marcus Peters and Eric Berry, but they have a very good secondary. Um, are, they are susceptible to the run, and Tennessee is an exceptional running team. Um, highly underrated how good that team is running the football this year. I think they've, they've been overshadowed their offensive line play and DeMarco Murray uh, by what Dallas is doing. But a couple of shows ago when we were highlighting you know big plays and we were talking about the big play differential, it really stood out that Tennessee at that point had as many big rushing plays of the season of 10 yards or more. They had as many as Dallas. So I, I think that Tennessee is going to come out and try to run the ball. But I think that Kansas City is going to be selling out to stop the run because I don't think that they're going to be too afraid of the quarterback who's already afraid of the elements in Marcus Mariota. So I'm going to go with the uh, Chiefs here to give them all um, in Arrowhead. They're tough. They're they're tough to beat. And you don't want to you, – well, if you're the home team, you want a team coming in with already a psychological disadvantage, and I think that's the way the Titans are coming in. I don't like hearing that. Yeah, it, it was a little weird to hear them already talking about that. Um, Pro Football Focus had a nice stat uh, to back up what you were saying about Kansas City's sec, uh, opportunistic secondary. Kansas City's safeties have the most combined interceptions slash passes defended in the NFL this year. They have 17 picks slash passes defensed. They will go after the football and they will turn it over. You can get some chunk plays on them, as we talked about, but they will take the ball away from you eventually if you're not careful with it. And Marcus Mariota seems like he's not all that careful with the football when they do try to open it up and, and go downfield with the passing game. So, yeah, it should be another one of those games like the uh, the, the Broncos game where they don't let Mariota go downfield all that much. Like I said, he, he sounded like he was scared to go downfield after a while. He tried a, a few passes early on and had a little success. But once the Broncos started turning it around, he, he just said, okay, I'm not going to even release this thing. I'm just going to look around. And if I don't feel comfortable, I'm going to wind up you know, tucking it and running and seeing what I get off of that. Uh, so that contributes to the Titans being as good as they are on the ground as well, is, is having uh, a very mobile quarterback in Marcus Mariota. Yeah, you uh, you say that they're un uh, underrated when it comes to running attacks in the NFL. Yeah, I think most people, if they if you give them the guess at the top three running teams in the NFL, they're going to get Dallas. They might get Buffalo somewhere in there, and they're going to struggle to come up with that third team. They're going to go a long time before they come up with the Titans, but the Titans are number three in, in rushing this season, and that's, that's going to surprise a lot of people, but – they're right there. DeMarco Murray has been excellent, um, and, and Derrick Henry behind him has been coming on as well. So we know what the Titans are going to do going in. We don't know what the Chiefs are going to do because Andy Reid and Brad Childress come up with all sorts of different stuff. And I actually like Andy Reid and Brad Childress to have 10 days to prepare for this. They're coming off of the Thursday night game, and they got a little extra time to prepare. Um but if Tennessee controls the time of possession by keeping the ball on the ground and running that clock, uh, they can squeeze something out here, uh, a, a cover, maybe even a, a victory. Um, it would surprise some people. Uh, it wouldn't surprise others because Tennessee has been one of those hot teams the second half of the year. They started coming on. They got their bye. They come off of that bye with the victory over the, the Broncos. And uh, 
yeah, they they have the uh, the the youth, they have the the energy, and I actually think I'm uh, I'm going to pick them to have a, a close finish one way or another in Kansas City, not necessarily to win the game, but to stay within six points, which is a pretty big spread. And I love the Chiefs as we've chronicled. I'm a fan of what they're what they're doing uh, in general. And, you know, I don't feel great about this one. The Chiefs are 5-1 and one at home this season. Very tough. Uh, and they're not going to have Derek Johnson helping to make tackles in there, and that's a, a big missing piece. Uh, so I'm going to take the Titans to grind it out and keep grinding uh, and, and have a big day on the ground. And whether that leads to a win or not, I'm not sure, but I'll take them to, to have it lead to a six-point cover. Okay, so you get you get to play both sides on that one. <laughs> I like that pick. I, I, if I feel great about it, I'll let you know. But that one, I you like them both. So I, I'm I'm sensing a push. Probably. <laughs> on to our second highlight game. We're going to go to New York. Well, we're going to go to New Jersey, I guess. Uh, but we're going to talk about the New York Giants at home hosting the Detroit Lions. In the legitimacy bowl. Oh, we've been waiting for this one. The nine and four Lions and the nine and four Giants in the battle of teams that nobody had at nine and four at this stage of the season, uh, at the beginning of the year. Nobody. Nobody. I'm not even listening to anyone claiming that they had either one of these teams at nine and four in week 15. Detroit is three and three on the road this year. The Giants are six and one at home. But we know Detroit's hallmark is just hanging around no matter whether they're on the road, whether they're at home. They stay close, they hang around, and Matthew Stafford somehow finds a way to pull it out in the end, uh, seemingly every time. It feels like they're 13-0 and 0 with 13 comeback wins in the fourth quarter by Matthew Stafford. But no, he's only done it eight times. Of their nine wins this year, he's only came back in the fourth quarter and won the game eight times, not 13. So it just feels like every single game. Uh, the Lions are four-and-a-half-point underdogs at the Giants. And to the surprise of probably nobody, of course, I think that's too big because the Lions hang around in every single game. And the Giants are one-dimensional. Stop Odell Beckham. Stop the Giants. So, yes, of course, I will take the Lions to cover that spread. And I think they'll probably win the game because I'm, I was thinking that maybe the Lions might not have the guys to handle – Odell Beckham either, just like the Cowboys didn't. I, I had the Giants beating the Cowboys because I said no one could stop Odell Beckham. And on the one play, I guess that mattered, no one stopped Odell Beckham. Uh, but Detroit might actually have the guy to stop Odell Beckham in, in Darius Slay, who's been a very good cornerback this year. Another pro football focus that Slay has allowed four catches in his last three games. So if you like, if you only allow one catch to Odell Beckham, it very well could go for a 70-yard touchdown slant pattern. But that might be the only catch he gets. So he gets one, he better make it count. So it might be one of those situations where they shut down Odell Beckham the entire first half, the entire third quarter. He finally gets one catch in the fourth, and it's up to him to make it go all the way. Uh, if not, the Giants might be completely done because I don't know if they can – go to any other aspect of their offense uh, to, to make up for any lack of production from Odell, from Odell Beckham. They certainly can't go to the run game. They can't rely on that. And none of those other receivers, to me, 
are, are very reliable. And on top of all that, Eli Manning himself isn't all that reliable because he's been making some throws that make you go, ooh, that's not good. Like he's yeah, he's got a tendency to make some really, really bad decisions out there. So I'm going to take the Lions to, to cover the number. Uh, uh, Slay has a pass defended in every single game he's played this season, except for two earlier in the year. He's going to be uh, in Odell's face. He's going to be the guy probably sticking Odell, uh, shadowing him going up and down the line. Um, and I think that's going to make a difference. He's been very, very good this year. Uh, rain in the forecast for that one as well. So that should also help to slow down what Odell Beckham might do out there. Uh, they they could use all the help they could get. The Lions could use all the help they could possibly get, but they've gotten every break this year. So why not pick it to continue? And I also think Matthew Stafford, our sort of dark horse, uh, fourth or fifth candidate for, for best player in the league this year, MVP. Uh, if the Giants come at the Lions the way they came at the Cowboys with heavy blitzes, uh, Stafford should be better equipped to handle a heavy blitz like that over Dak Prescott, who just simply didn't have the uh, the experience to put up with the, the pressure that he was getting. So I think Stafford's going to be better equipped to handle that if they come that way. Uh, I'm going to take the Lions to cover, and I think I'll take them to win as well. Uh, on the point spread portion of that, I absolutely concur with you. Uh, I do not believe that – I mean, again, I, I just I refuse to believe in the Giants – I hate that because we've watched the Giants win Super Bowls when we don't believe in them. So I'm really hoping that this isn't what we're looking at um, because this is just this not a very good team. This is a one-dimensional, basically one-man band kind of team because Eli Manning without Odell Beckham is completely lost. So that's all you have. They can't run the ball. All you have to do is stop Odell Beckham. That's all you have to do. You have one job. Just cover Odell Beckham. That's it. That's all Detroit has to do. Last time we saw them on the road, they broke Drew Brees' 61-game uh, uh, streak of throwing a touchdown pass at home. So, and maybe Detroit's on a little bit of a roll here, and they, they clearly are. I mean, they're, they're a very quiet 9-4 and four right now. So, I'm going to also take the Lions with you, mainly because I think that, first of all, that point spread's just way too big. I think this game is contractually obligated to be a, like a one- or two-point game no matter what, because I don't think either one of these teams is going to be capable of blowing the other one out. The Giants, because they're too one-dimensional, and the Lions, because the Lions just don't know how to deal with prosperity. We saw that against uh, the Bears. You know, the Lions just look like that everything is going their way. Find a way to blow it, because that's their move. They have to. They they have to be playing from behind. They have to have all the all the things going against them. So, I uh, I just don't see this anything other than like a twenty four twenty three or twenty four twenty one kind of game. Uh, I think if there's a player on the field who could end up being sort of the, you know, I, I don't want to say X factor because that's a playoff thing. Uh, for us, but I want to say if there's somebody who could sort of tip the balance in one favor or the other, I'm actually going to give it to the Lions for their kicker because Matt Prater is a weapon. Uh, even in some rain or in some weather, he's going to be good from farther away than the other guy. That's the only mm -hmm. thing you have to know, you know, is that field goals may be the difference in this game. And I'm going to go with the team with the better kicker. Um, 
to keep it close. So I'm going to take the Lions as well with you. Hey, I guess uh, Darius Slay would be my X Factor. We can call X Factors. This is like a playoff game, two nine and four teams battling yeah. it out. No playoff spots uh, secure for either one of them yet. So they, they got a lot to play for, both of them. Um, so, yeah, it, it should be a, a fascinating contest between, again, two teams that nobody thought would be in this position. Uh, yeah, and I know there's the a lot of, lot of, well, as I said, there's a lot of people up here in Wisconsin that are Giants fans this week. A lot of. Yeah. That, that middle finger of Stafford's that got bent backwards, the tip of it got bent and busted up in that last game he was playing. But uh, he played through that in that game. He's been practicing with a glove this week, so I actually don't think that's going to be uh, an issue. But I did want to bring up that I'm aware of it, but I, I think he's going to play through it. <laughs> On to our third highlight game. It's the Patriots and the Broncos once again. Tom Brady going to the Denver Broncos. Got to have some butterflies in his stomach. Got to have some bad feelings about the times that he's visited Denver because it's not been pleasant for the man. It's been uh, quite treacherous, especially the last one uh, where he had a chance to get back to the Super Bowl and was not able to overcome the absolutely destructive Denver Broncos defense led by Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware, giving him almost no time at all in the pocket to, to find any receivers. So he's back again. Where's back again? Uh, DeMarcus uh, is back again. And so the band is sort of back together. Peyton Manning won't be there, but uh, Trevor Simeon is on the other side instead. So a Brady versus Simeon matchup, not nearly as sexy, but, you know, Simeon has been playing pretty well. So I've heard it said on uh, shows this week that Simeon is actually playing better than Peyton was at this time last year. So maybe even a better matchup. In any event, the uh, 8-5 and five Denver Broncos at home and the 11-2 and two New England Patriots on the road, 6-0, and oh, a perfect 6-0 and oh on the road, and Denver 4-2 and two at home. New England is the favorite. They give three points at Denver. Jason, what's your pick? Yeah, this is a great game. This is strength on strength. This is that Patriot offense and Tom Brady against – the, the Broncos defense, and we know what they're capable of doing. I, I don't think that that Denver defense is going to shy away from another chance to get after Tom Brady. Uh, I, I think that, and Tom Brady, I think, knows that. Uh, the Patriots tend to struggle with teams that they can't kind of like, I won't say push around because they're not an ex, extremely physical team, but the Patriots tend to struggle against those teams that don't rattle, you know, the teams that aren't mentally weak. And this Broncos team is not going to come into this game mentally weak. I think that that defense is going to be up for this. This is going to have a playoff atmosphere. And the Broncos are actually in a position that they're playing for a lot more than the Patriots are playing for at the moment. Um, Yeah, it's Trevor Simeon. I mean, it's been Trevor Simeon. Well, pretty much all year in the Broncos, they're, they're still winning games. The Patriots' defense is not great. But I think it'll be enough of a defensive effort. And we, we sold so short on the Broncos last year. This is sort of almost like a makeup pick for me for how short we sold on them last year in that AFC Championship and in the Super Bowl. Um, 
that if they if they were holding out for one of those big defensive efforts, and they've been putting up good defensive efforts most of the year, um, that they're really going to be fired up for this one at home um, with playoffs possibly at, at stake. You know, there's only three games left for everybody right now. As of now, they're in a very tenuous spot uh, trying to get back to the playoffs. So I think Denver's the more desperate team. And I think that that defense is going to get after Tom, Tom Brady. And that's when you can get to the Patriots is when you can make Tom Brady hurry things up because that offense is excuse me, all about timing. So if you can throw off his timing, you can throw off that whole offense. That whole offense goes out of whack. If everybody isn't where they're supposed to be and he's not able to throw that ball, a lot of times before guys are even looking for it, um, that's what they're going to they're gonna be all about, getting him off his spot and get him off of his timing. So we know they can do it. And we know they're not afraid. So I'm going to go with the Broncos at home to win. Well, they're not afraid. They're not mentally weak. All of that is true about the Broncos. But the Patriots are uniquely motivated. I think Tom Brady has been feeling it as far as the pressure of coming in and and doing something with this Broncos team, which has been handling him so well uh, throughout his career. And I actually think that's what sort of motivated him going back on Monday. I think this was sort of a one-two in the middle of Brady's comeback season after the suspension uh, in the middle of his FU season towards Roger Goodell and, and the, and the NFL, which I still predict is going to end with him holding up the trophy as Goodell has to hand it to him uh, at the Super Bowl. I think this is sort of a little season within a season that Brady has taken on two teams, maybe the two teams that has tormented him the most over his career, the Ravens and the Broncos sort of a one, two challenge starting on Monday night at home. He wanted that game so fucking bad. I mean, he was just on edge and and crazy from the moment that game started and, and played like it played it tried to execute every play as if it was his last. Uh, and I think it's going to continue like that in Denver. I, I, I just get this feeling that this was sort of his sort of uh, tag team effort. The one, two, the two games that he wants so bad in the middle of the regular season. And then after this one, maybe there'll be a, a little bit of a letdown uh, because he will have done what he really set out to do. But I think that's a, that's a challenge that he sort of puts on himself being that type of player. Um, I'm ignoring the Denver defense at my own peril, just like I did last year. <laughs> and, and yes, just like you did as well. We, we paid the price. We, uh, saw them just go all the way. Could not have imagined the way they were getting such subpar play at quarterback that they would go all the way to win the Super Bowl. But that defense was just ridiculous. And to think that they can't do that again and and rise up in this spot, I'm not going to say that they can't. I'm just, I'm going to pick New England. I'm going to give the three because I think Tom Brady wants it that bad. It's not because I think Denver is going to falter or or that they showed some sort of fatal weakness against the Titans uh, losing that game last week. I don't think that at all. I just think that this is how bad Tom Brady wants this game. Oh, and by the way, no Danny Amendola. And you're looking around at these guys that he's throwing to that you never heard of, Chris Hogan and Malcolm Mitchell and guys like that. But the Patriots could use some sort of uh, a reinforcement. They could use a, 
guy, an extra playmaker somewhere over there. Oh, wait, the, look who's sitting out there on the street. Look who's sitting on the curb drinking a bottle of Mad Dog 2020 straight out the bottle. Put the, put the bottle down and come over here, Malcolm Floyd, or uh, uh, Michael Floyd, not Malcolm. Uh, put the bottle down, come over and join Mr. Belichick and, and become the latest Patriots reclamation project. And, and so there's Michael Floyd just sitting there on the street and the Patriots bring him in. I don't believe for a second they're not going to have at least one or two plays for him. You don't have to do much, you know, a go route, uh, a quick slant. You, you don't have to teach him that much of your playbook in a few days. You can teach him those basic plays and just sit him out there for, you know, five five snaps, uh, at, you know, 10 snaps at the most if, you, if he's really catching on. But there's not a whole lot of acclimation you have to, to do to get an athlete like Michael Floyd under your tent and, and get him going. So don't be surprised at all to see him streaking down the sideline for a 50 yard touchdown. Uh, and by the way, it, that reminded me of, you remember the last time the, the Patriots needed somebody off the street. They were just lacking. They need this extra playmaker for their offense. And they looked around and, Oh wait, this is from the Roto world write up from Tuesday, November 18th, 2014. The Steelers waived LeGarrette Blunt. Uh, they said that he would be disciplined for leaving the field before the conclusion of Monday's wins over the Titans, and the Steelers decided to do so by cutting ties altogether with the insubordinate back. Uh, one month shy of his 28th birthday, Blunt is running out of time in the league. How'd that work out for the Patriots? How's LeGarrette Blunt doing? I think he's doing okay. This is what they fucking do. This is why everyone hates the fucking Patriots. Because they just pick guys out of nowhere and, and make chicken salad out of chicken shit. And they're going to do it again with, with uh, Michael Floyd, who I called Malcolm because I got him confused with the Chargers guy. But that's, that's the wrong guy. It's the, it's the drunk guy from Arizona. It's Michael Floyd. Uh, don't be surprised at all to see him have an impact in this game. You want to bet against that happening? I'm not betting against it. I'm taking the Patriots with some surprises along the way. No, and I did see that pickup, and that is very – hey, it's the Patriots way. Oh, God. Oh, oh see? God. It got in um, your head. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, it's the Patriots way. It's, uh, oh, you're going to win this Dolphins pick. You're, you're going to win the Dolphins pick, just so you know. It's it's going to be 34 to 10 here in a minute. Whoa, what the hell happened? Wow. Uh, Let's see. Blocked punt for a touchdown. The very next play was a pick. <laughs> oh. Uh. <laughs> Then the Miami scores a touchdown. Then uh, the Jets uh, go like three and out and punt. And then uh, Matt Moore throws a 66-yard bomb for a touchdown. And that all happened in about <sighs> two minutes of game time. That's the Jets so that, that I know and love. Yeah, you're, you're Todd Bowles uh, once again letting you down. Uh, yeah, well. He's they, not letting they came me, out for him in the first half. Because I had, yeah, but... Yeah, you were lamenting poor Todd Bowles uh, on a previous show. And, uh, yeah, we're talking a 21-point outburst from the Dolphins and like I said, in about a two-minute stretch of game time. You know what? That's better than what they did against the Colts. They didn't come out against the Colts at all. They did. They stayed in the locker room for that one. Oh, I take it back. Four-minute stretch. <laughs> I don't know. It's still an improvement as far as I'm concerned. 
On Sunday Night Football, the uh, Cowboys and the Buccaneers will do battle, and here's a game that got flexed to Sunday night because it's actually important, and nobody would have predicted that at the beginning of the year either. But here's Tampa Bay at 8-5, and five, but 5-1 five and one on the road this year. They're road warriors, and their defense the last month or so has been beating up everybody at home and on the road. Taking on the Cowboys, who are still 11-2. and two. They're still undefeated against everyone in the NFL, not named the Giants. Uh, they're 5-1 and one at home. The one loss of, of week one against the Giants and, and undefeated since then. So a lot still on the Cowboys' side, despite that loss. Despite the uh, talk amongst the media members that this has to be uh, a, a, some sort of referendum on Dak Prescott that they got to get Tony Romo up to speed and get him in there before Dak Prescott loses all of his confidence, I suppose. Uh, I don't know if this is a good spot for, for, for Dak to get back uh, against the Buccaneers the way they're playing defense right now. Tampa's a seven-point underdog at Dallas, which is well-earned because of what the Cowboys have done all year long. However... Looking at these two teams right now, right now, it's hard to say that the Cowboys are definitely playing better football than the Buccaneers. So I'm definitely going to take those seven points and take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I actually think they're also going to win this game straight up uh, because they go in with a defense that's been so red hot. And, and, and Prescott, if he showed one thing against the Giants is that – you bring some pressure on him, and he is not going to react very well. And what rookie quarterback really would? So it's not such a surprising thing. I guess I'm almost making the argument for Tony Romo by saying that, well, he's a rookie, and of course he's going to struggle against pressure. Uh, so you put Romo in because he's the veteran, and he wouldn't struggle quite as much. I'm not going to argue against Tony Romo necessarily being put in. I'm just saying that I think Prescott has earned – more than one bad game against pressure like that. To me, he needs maybe you know four games like that against bad pressure. And, and I understand if he gets four like, you know like that, then the next one will be in the playoffs. The fourth one will probably be in the playoffs, and then they'd be out of the playoffs if he performs like that again. So you want to make that move to Romo like Denver did with Peyton Manning last year before it becomes too late. Because as bad as Peyton Manning was playing, if they leave Brock Osweiler in in Denver, if Gary Kubiak stays with Osweiler, maybe he does the one thing that you don't want to have happen, the big turnover, the big fumble or something like that. And maybe the Broncos don't make the Super Bowl even with their defense playing as well as they have. So that's the decisions that Jason Garrett and, and Coach Jerry Jones have to make down in Dallas. But uh, but as for this game, the Bucks are just playing balls out defense. They're so hot. Dak is struggling. Should be a Buccaneers game, even if Dallas finds a way to come back and win late. They, sh they should they should not cover a seven-point spread, I don't believe. Um, another uh, stat, this is on ESPN's pigskin pick'em. The last two weeks, the Cowboys on third down are two for 24. And that's before they get the Bucks, who, who have been playing such good defense. Uh, I like Jameis Winston to Mike Evans all day, uh, similar to uh, Eli Manning to Odell Beckham. I think the Cowboys are susceptible to letting a big performance happen uh, with a with a hot wide receiver, and I think Mike Evans can can do it uh, against the Cowboys. And uh, I got a good feeling about the Buccaneers in, in this one. Uh, the Cowboys are reeling, I think, off of that loss to the Giants, and I'll take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the seven points. 
Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the Cowboys here not to cover the seven, but I am going to take them to win. Um, they've been in a lot of tight games, so this isn't going to be anything new. Uh, you know, a lot of the, even the Giant game, that was close. The the two games previous to that were close. The Steeler game was close. The Giants have come out on top in you know almost all of these, except, like you said, if they're not playing the Giants, they're golden. Um, so I, I think that the, yeah, they're perfect. So I think that the Cowboys will eke one out. I don't see them winning by, by more than seven. I, I, you know, we, we, we disagreed in the last show in the recap about, um, about Dak Prescott. I think he's struggling more than you think he's struggling, but either way, he did have the bad game against the Giants, and his it, it's it's undeniable that his numbers have been in some decline over the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Whether that's by design or whatever, he is coming back a little bit. Um, this is still a big test for Tampa because you know exactly what you're going to get from the Cowboys. You called them that, uh, what was it, uh, the, the Spanish term that you used for them. Because the the no fear team, uh, the wrestling thing that you said, Miedo. That's the one. You know exactly what they're going to come in and do. Every time a good quote unquote good defense has kind of thrown up their way, they've kind of made them look like chumps. So I, I like what the Cowboys are going to be able to do here at home in this situation, kind of trying to bounce back from that giant loss. Um, Tampa, we'll see. I mean, if Tampa goes on and wins this one, geez, I mean, what else, what else can we say about them? You're beating the, beating the Seahawks, you know, the, the chargers, the saints, I mean, and then they beat the, if they beat the Cowboys, this, in this stretch. Yeah, that would be, that would be very eye opening. Um, and you know, I already talked about them kind of being a little bit more on our radar. They can go into, to Texas stadium. They can go in Jerry World here and, and pull this one out as a huge underdog. Um, you have to start wondering, you know, how real are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or are they just a hot team in a hot stretch? Yeah, that's the question that we're all wondering and can't wait to find out. All right, on to the rest of Week 15 and even more or less detail. Starting in Chicago, where we talked a little bit about the weather is going to be single digits there as well. One degree, nine degree, whatever it's going to be. It's not like the Packers don't know anything about that. So Green Bay at seven and six, four and a half point favorites going into the three and ten Chicago Bears. Yeah, it was tempting to try to, to take the Bears this week. But I think after looking at the body of work that the Packers have put up over the last few weeks, that they're. They're kind of back, and I like the hobbled Aaron Rodgers more than the mobile Aaron Rodgers, so I'm going to take him to shred apart this Bears secondary. I'm going to take the Packers. I'm going to take the Packers for the exact same reason. Rodgers won't be very mobile, and that's good. Stay your ass at home and get a base under you and rip those throws through that terrible Bears secondary the way that you've been doing for all your career. So I will also take the Packers. Indianapolis and Minnesota, uh, I don't know how to describe this game. Uh, anemic Minnesota O versus wimpy Indy D. I, I don't know. The disappointment anyway. bowl. <laughs> the six and seven Colts are five point underdogs at the seven and six Vikings. 
yeah, I'm going to take the Colts here. I mean, you, again, the Vikings can only win if they get the voodoo magic, and they have to. You know, they, it takes a few games off, and then it creeps back. And the Colts, I hate to say it, but the Colts, I think, are playing for just as much as the Vikings are. And the Vikings are reeling, too. Uh, and the Colts fell back a game last week with their loss. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Colts to actually go on the road and win this one. Ooh, that's definitely against what I got here. Uh, Adrian Peterson, I guess, is coming back. I don't know how effective he's going to be, but apparently he's been cleared, and he's actually going to get out there on the field for the Vikings. I have that leading to a little bit more balancing of the offense for the Vikings. I actually have Sam Bradford outdueling Aaron uh, Andrew Luck. Who is Aaron Luck? What is my problem tonight? Um, and I have the Vikings and, and giving the five points. I actually think they bounce up against that terrible indie defense and actually get it done. The 0-13 of the Wobegon Cleveland Browns. Uh, not much more to be said about them. Ten-point underdogs at the 6-7 and seven Buffalo Bills in, once again, cold, snowy Buffalo. Do you think they're going to be running any flea flicker, flickers from their end zone in this one? God, I hope not. Um, it's a big number in bad weather, um, but bills are equipped for bad weather. They can run. I seem to remember someone who had a shady distant memory of LaShawn McCoy <laughs> running good in the snow several, many years and many moons ago. I'll go with the memory and I'll take <laughs> Buffalo and, uh, give the points because Cleveland is, they're the worst. They are the worst. If, if the Bills don't run over Cleveland, do you fire Rex on the spot? If they the, lose the, to the Cleveland, buffoon. we fire them on the spot. If they <laughs> lose, forget it. The buffoon Rex Ryan. Um, I don't you, – you said it actually uh, right off the bat. It's a big number in bad weather, and I understand the Bills are equipped to kind of road grade through bad weather like that, but I still don't trust the Bills uh, in even – even though they have the the running game to overtake the Cleveland Browns and run over the Cleveland Browns, and they'll probably outrun the Browns by like a hundred yards. Uh, but even with that, I still think the Browns just stick around. It's it's the Bills. I don't know if the Bills can beat anyone by ten points. I'll, I'll take the points. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati and the Vontez Perfect Bowl. Uh, it's so weird. He's been quoted as saying that he's made peace with. Uh, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown over everything that happened last year. And, and then Antonio Brown is saying, well, he came up and apologized to me and perfect saying, well, I couldn't say anything because it was loud and the music was thumping at the club. It's just, it's weird. Everything with Vontez perfect is weird. Uh, anyway, the eight and five Steelers, three point road favorites at the five, seven and one Bengals. Yeah, the Steelers have been, like you said, the Steelers, we said this a few shows ago, but the Steelers, when they win, look great. And when they lose, they look terrible. And I, I they've they've had some clunkers on the road this year. I'm going to go with my gut here and, th- and say they have another clunker on the road in a spot that they should easily, they should easily handle this team. There's no A.J. Green. Um you know, no Giovanni Bernard. I mean, Cincinnati is clearly done and wounded, but it's a division game. There's that contempt. So you know that Cincinnati will at least be up for this game. Um, in Cincinnati, the, you know, the scene of the crime, I'm going to go ahead and take 
the Bengals to spring an upset and beat Pittsburgh. Yeah, I was thinking about doing that too. Since he has been shockingly competing without AJ Green all this time, they they haven't folded the ten. They actually been fighting in all their games, and surely they're going to have fight for Pittsburgh because they always have fight for Pittsburgh. Uh, ben Roethlisberger may be a little rusty because he threw those interceptions last week against Buffalo, and Pittsburgh just said, "Okay, shut it down. We're going to run Le'Veon Bell until he completely collapses, and we're not even going to try to throw it anymore." Uh, so I don't know how sharp he's going to be coming in with this. And with all of that said, I'm still taking Pittsburgh and giving the three points because I still just don't believe in Cincinnati as a team without their best player, A.J. Green. And I think after everything is said and done, the Steelers are, are just better equipped as a better all-around team uh, to to beat the Bengals. And Le'Veon Bell has just been a monster. So I, I don't think they're going to be able to handle him. The Jags and the Texans. We pick them all. The 2-11 Jaguars, four-point underdogs at the 7-6 and six Houston Texans. I can't. I can't take the Jaguars. I can't take them. I'm going to – as much as it hates – as much as it pains me to take Houston, it's the Jaguars. I'll take Texans. Yeah, that's the thing. It's either the Jaguars or uh, – it's either Blake Bortles or Brock Osweiler. Just take your, your pick there. Um, Shoot this me. one, I guess I, <laughs> death is not an option. Um, can I scream under again? Am I allowed to, to do that after I got screwed last week with the Vikings and Jaguars? Uh, I, you, I love the I under in this cred. one, too. Oh, I think you shot your cred. You're probably right if I ever had any. Um, I guess I'll go to the history and, and say that in week 10, uh, Houston uh, went to Jacksonville, won 24 to 21. Uh, and and didn't even have their best cornerback, A.J. Boye, for that game. So they have him. I can't see the Jags getting to 21 again. So by process of elimination, I guess I'm taking the Houston Texans as well. I don't want to either, but good Lord. Oh, the Jags are terrible. Philadelphia and Baltimore, Pennsylvania and the 5-8 and eight Eagles. Boy, remember when they were 3-0? and oh? That was a long time ago. Uh, the five and eight Eagles are five and a half point underdogs at Joe Flacco and the seven and six Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, remember the ball, the Ravens were eliminated from playoff contention by the Patriots. Oh, wait, no, they weren't. That's just what John Gruden and that other idiot kept saying. I'm going to go ahead and take the Ravens to to win and and get back on track here, trying to uh, get that playoff spot. Um, and, you know, and if Pittsburgh loses, like I thought, that would uh, put these two right back into a dead heat. Yeah, yeah, I, I concur. I don't know how you can go against uh, the Ravens uh, the way they've been playing, 5-2 and two at home. And I don't know how you can go with the Eagles, who are 1-6 and six on the road, even when Pennsylvania was playing well. They weren't the best road team, and he hasn't been playing well at all lately. So, yeah, I definitely got to go with the Eagles uh, or with the Ravens to get right over the Eagles. Arizona hosting New Orleans, the Saints with Drew Brees breaking all sorts of records that he doesn't want to break bad records. Uh, the five and eight Saints, three point underdogs, cop out line at the five, seven, and one Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, this is this is a tough one because Arizona, we, we talked about it. If Arizona is willing to commit to the run, I like them, but I have a feeling that this is going to have to be sort of an aerial assault. Drew Brees is not going to be held down again unless there's just something wrong with him. And I prefer Drew Brees in a shootout over interception. And Santa, it is the season we may see 
interception Santa in the house. I'm going to take the Saints to spring the road upset. I really waffled on this one. Um, I can. It, it smells very pushy. I'm smelling a lot of pushy. I'm smelling interception Santa in the house. Um, smelling a lot of things there. Uh, we didn't. I didn't think Drew Brees would you know, come this, up short again this last the, week. This this game's being played at the Pink Taco, by the way. <laughs> that's what I'm smelling. That's what that was. They okay. smell. That, that's what that is. It's the Pink Taco. Oh, that makes all the sense in the world now. What the fuck has happened to Drew Brees the last couple of weeks? He is completely falling off the cliff. And if, if the Cardinals are motivated at all, he could struggle again because we know how good the Cards' defense can be. And the last time the Cards were at home, they were motivated enough to, to beat a, a playoff team from last year in the Washington Redskins. So uh, even though I, it smells pushy, I'm going to take the Cardinals and give the three. I, I think they might be motivated once again for, for this one. San Francisco at Atlanta uh, in the only the second biggest spread of the week because of the Thursday night spread. Uh, the one in 12 Niners are 13 point underdogs at the eight and five Falcons. It's tempting to take the points until I realize that that's the San Francisco 49ers going to Atlanta. Atlanta is going to rip these guys. I'm going to, if, if I didn't have the other one as my lock, I'd have this one. Uh, give me the Falcons squish. That's exactly what I figured I would pick uh, until I guess I sat down and dug into the numbers a little bit. The Niners have been a hell of a running team since Colin Kaepernick took over as quarterback. Now, that's a juxtaposition that if you think about it, explains why they're 1-12 in because you shouldn't really boost your running stats that much with a change at quarterback. That's not a good thing. You want your passing stats to boost when you change quarterbacks, and the passing stats have not been boosted at all. But just because they can run a little bit, just because the Falcons are so light on their feet and they're trying to fly around at you instead of really being sturdy, uh, the Niners should just run it down Atlanta's throat and stay in the game that way and and cover that number. So I will take all those points, and I will take the 49ers, uh, and I'll hold my breath as I do that. Uh, No Julio Jones again, once uh, by the way, uh, for Atlanta. But as we know, they'll throw it around to anybody uh, that's open. So they'll score 40 instead of 50. Oakland and San Diego, uh, the, the 10 and three Raiders, two and a half point underdogs at the five and eight San Diego Chargers. The all wait, the Raiders lost a game, everyone. Now they're under, now they're underdog. Sorry. No, this, this feels like it doesn't belong at all. I don't know. The Raiders are Chargers. Oh, the Raiders are favorite. I thought you had them as underdogs. Sorry. No, they're giving two and a half. They're giving the points on the road. Yep. Yep. As they should be. I'll take Oakland. <laughs> okay. Um, I will. That Oakland defense can get ripped, as, as I've been preaching and talking about, and I, I think the Chargers can do it. Uh, week five, Phillip Rivers ripped him for 359 uh, as Oakland pulled out a, a late victory, and I'll take the Chargers to get that win back just because. On Monday night, Carolina and Washington in a game that the ESPN executives, I'm sure, thought were gonna, was going to be a much better matchup than it winds up being. But the five and eight Panthers, seven point at the seven five and one Washington Redskins. Yeah, I think this is more of a get right game for Carolina after the way they got embarrassed last time on uh, uh, prime time. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Panthers to stay competitive in this one 
and uh, give Washington all they can handle. This is that pride game. This has got to be it. This is this is the last chance that people will have to see the Panthers this year. I think that they have something to prove to themselves as well as to the people watching. So I'm going to go with the Panthers to probably play their best effort of the year right here. I actually concur. Um, acknowledging that the Redskins are clearly the better team, uh, and that pass rushes look fierce at times. I, I called for Ryan Kerrigan last so I wouldn't be surprised if he showed up again. But, yeah, uh, there's no reason for Cam Newton and Carolina to just bombs away and, and stay close to any team they play. So I'll take the seven points along with one our after show when we come back. Now into our VIP after show program where I'm glad to turn my TV back on and check out the Dolphins apparently who got it right in the second half and, and opened up a can of, of whoop ass on the New York Jets. No, the Jets got wrong. The Dolphins didn't oh. get right. <laughs> okay. It, it works. Either way, it works for me. Yeah, I'm telling you, the Jets were inspired in that first half. They were clearly the better team. Leonard Williams took every, every time J.H.I. tried to run the ball, Leonard Williams like picked him up and gave him a spine buster through the ground. Uh, everyone else was rallying to the ball. Uh, they were playing inspired. They were actually playing like the team that had playoff aspirations that the Dolphins were not. And so I'm surprised to hear that the Dolphins actually uh, got back, got back in the second half and, and showed a lot better. They were not showing up in that first half. You know, and this gets the this gets the Dolphins to nine and five. I mean, the Dolphins are very, very much alive, very, very much in the mix now, still for a playoff spot. So interesting. Um, it's not the Dolphins might get right here. This is a team that went out and have eleven. Okay, that was the Dolphins ran the table. And it would be starting from struggling at the beginning of the year with the new coach Adam Gaze. Ryan Tannehill playing as inconsistent as he always does. Uh, issues with the running game, Arian Foster not being able to stay on the field. Um, and all of a sudden, Jay Ajayi pops and goes for two two games in a row, 200 yards. And that sort of turns everything around. Uh, so, yeah, that'd be a heck of a, of a turnaround. And I'm, I'm happy for that because I'm a fan of Adam Gates. I think he's got a future uh, in the NFL. And, and I'm I think that offense is probably going to be much, much better uh, as the years go on, as as everybody in that offense gets acclimated to each other. Once they got the blocking going, once they got the offensive line healthy and started putting some stuff together, they were actually able to execute uh, the, the things that Adam Gates wanted executed. So, uh, I, and I don't think Tannehill is going to be back. I think there's uh, that that might be it for him. I think he's, uh, is uh, I believe he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year, and that's going to be a, a shit ton of money that he would be owed to keep him around. I think uh, I, I forget which one it is. Either he's a free agent and, and is going to be looking for a new deal, or there's going to be some sort of decision made to, to just cut him and get rid of the big salary cap number that he's going to cost next year. But either way, what I'm reading is that this might be the end of uh, of Mr. Tannehill and. I can't say I'm uh, against that. I, I don't think he's actually very good. Well, no, and I think it makes us a little more sad than anything because that was a team that we'd always highlighted, you know, appreciating watching the growth and the progression of Ryan Tannehill and the Miami Dolphins. And then they just fell apart. 
Yeah, and remember those times where they would get up against the Patriots and, okay, here's where the the Dolphins take over and, and move past the Patriots who are long in the tooth and, and the Dolphins will establish themselves. They have this great defense that, that busts you in the fucking mouth and, and this is where they get – this is where Ryan Tannehill asserts himself – as the uh, as the quarterback on the rise, and it it always went against them. Either they had a big lead at halftime and came out and blew it, or they just got bl- their doors blown off right from the beginning of the game. Either way, they always had their chances to sort of establish themselves, and it always blew up in their face. So, uh, hopefully, this is the beginning of them turning that around. Yep. Yeah, sorry, so, uh, had the mute uh, button on there. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 too bad, but you know if they're able to get into the playoffs and make a little bit of a run here, which I mean could happen, I guess. Then uh, you know maybe they maybe they restructure the deal or they do something, but yeah, I don't know where does Ryan Tannehill go. I mean, there's teams that'll be looking for quarterbacks. I mean we've highlighted a bunch of them. The the thing is though, Jason, you know. He hasn't played himself out of the not, league or out of a job. People are not going to admit mistakes because people have big egos. Some of these teams that need new quarterbacks are not going to go get new quarterbacks because they just gave, say, for example, $72 million to a quarterback this past offseason, and they're not going to say, oops, that was a mistake. We need to get a new quarterback. They're not going to do that for two or three more years just because of ego. Uh, so some of these guys, I, I don't know if they're going to make the moves that they need to make, but there, yeah, there's a lot of teams out there for whom Ryan Tannehill will be an upgrade that I'm not sure which ones of those teams are going to admit that Ryan Tannehill would be an upgrade. Cause that would be sort of putting the gun in their own mouth and, and admitting that the guy that they had it really blows. I don't know who's going to admit well, that. Um, let's see. The jets are going to need a quarterback. The, the 49ers are going to need a quarterback. There's teams, you know, Arizona, we talked, we highlighted a couple of shows ago about Carson Palmer. You know, maybe they don't, maybe let's say they bring in Tannehill and they don't bring him in to be the starter, but they bring him in to sort of be that next guy, you know, Hey, we don't know. We really don't know. But they're curious. Excuse me. Would Tannehill agree to sign the backup? You never know. I mean, if it was a, it was a good situation or it was the only thing available. The bears are going to need a quarterback. There's a lot of teams that are good. I know, I know you don't want to see the bears <laughs> with uh, Ryan Tannehill, but uh, you know, they, they clearly have moved on from Jay Cutler. Although Jay Cutler is still the best quarterback the bears have ever had. Jay Cutler is going to be out there. Some Jay Cutler would be an upgrade for a lot of these teams as well. Yeah, well, if Al Davis was still alive, he'd be a Raider. No, no problem. Oh yeah, <laughs> he'd be a perfect Raider. The mold. That's for sure. He's the prototypical yeah. Raider. He's a he's Fun a big arm jerk. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they've been calling him the next Jeff George for a decade now, so that would just complete the cycle, right? <laughs> it would. <laughs> so no, it's a, somebody will score on Jay Cutler too. I don't. I don't. He's he's he. He's at least a real quarterback. He's got the big arm. Everybody falls in love with the big arm. But a Tannehill will land on his feet, or, or he'll just restructure the deal. Is it, It's not going to be Matt Moore starting, is it? 
Uh, no, <laughs> for next year, no. He's he'll be no, starting so the rest of this year. I I could see if he's looking at being a cap casualty that maybe he restructures the deal to stay there as the starter. Oh look, Bryce Petty's uh, had to limp off the field. Guess who's back at quarterback for the Jets? Uh, would that be turnover <laughs> Bernie Sanders? It is. He's looking to, to dole out some free college to, to the Dolphins. Uh, we'll see if, if that happens in the next nine minutes here. Uh, or he'll lead them back oh. to a stunning victory. I'm going to guess that's not going to happen. Uh, he <laughs> might just check down to Matt Forte the rest of the night and, and call it a day and, and not ruin his already terrible numbers. Yeah, what's he playing for? Is he playing for a contract? Is is he going? I mean, he's obviously gone, but who's going to take him? He's the guy who's signing somewhere as a backup. See, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a perfect backup. He's always been. He's a career backup. Right. He's perfect in that role. He got the money this offseason by holding out that he uh, always was looking for, that he probably didn't deserve. So I don't think he really needs to put himself in the mix to be a, a starting quarterback somewhere else no. uh, this offseason. I, I agree with you that he should be looking for to, to be somebody's backup, some you know, some young kid that gets drafted or something like that, that he'll come in as the, as the veteran backup. I think that's perfect for him too. Yeah, or he goes to a team where they draft a uh, like a high rookie quarterback and he just goes there to be the guy to start the first two games. <laughs> and then they can so that then they could bring in the young guy, you know. Yeah, turn him over and up. Oh, yeah. the, the young guy is ready now. And Ryan Ooh, Fitzpatrick can come away. go back to holding the clipboard. Yep. That's probably what he's best at. Hey, he, he got the money. He finally put together the season last year that gave him the, the type of money that he's always been looking for. So that's I guess that's good for him. Yeah. Hey, no, he, he got paid. I mean, you can't blame the guy for wanting money. So not counting tonight's game, we are different tomorrow on, let's see, uh, looks like eight. Ooh, that's, that's a big number. Yeah, I don't feel, I don't really, I don't have a good feeling at all about this week. This one's, this is a weird week again. This whole year's been weird. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a little bit of a, of a weird week. At least we got two uh, double-digit spreads. It's not all tight matchups, but we, we're different on those two picks. So that's, that's kind of interesting. I took the big points on both of those, Cleveland and San Francisco. So that's, that's on me. If I lose both of those picks, that's on me because there's no reason to pick the Browns or the 49ers for anything. I, it's just it's a lot of points is pretty much my rationale behind that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I just – Atlanta still playing for something. And uh, Buffalo, if it, in weather against Cleveland, if that's RG three, at, at first of all, it feels like you know he gets his spine snapped or something crazy happens to him oh, in this game. Boy. That's RG three. He can't play two games in a row without getting hurt. Um, you know, can't he can't do it? And then Buffalo is just going to run the upset. ball all over them. Buffalo just run it all up and down the field on them, or. You're right, and Cleveland comes out and plays their usual inspired, but then blows it. But when they've been blowing it, though, they've also been blowing the spread. They haven't just right. blown the they haven't just blown the win. They find a way to blow the win and the spread. But to do that to Tyrod Taylor and the Bills, it's just hard for me to imagine. But 
that's why they have the spreads to make it even on both sides. Right. Uh, so anything interesting been happening up there by you? No, a lot of snow, a lot of snow, lot of and snow. cold now. So yeah, we're we're we're, ha- we're gonna have a high tomorrow of minus five. Ooh, that's the yeah, high. That's good. that's the high. Yes. <laughs> Man. It, it was rough. It was rough driving to work and back today. So, you know, I have, I don't have the shortest drive to work. And uh, in the morning, the roads were all full of snow and coming back, they were all ice. Oh no. So yeah, I actually preferred driving on the snow. Ice is bad. I, I you get, you hit that one little open patch and then you just, you start feeling that wheel moving and you start to feel those tires going underneath you. You don't know where the mm-hmm. car is going to end up. And that's not a good feeling. And, uh, oh no! I can imagine. Yeah, it was a little, uh, little white knuckle the last couple of days. Tomorrow shouldn't be so bad. You know, the snow is all gone, um, so all the roads should be treated and 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 at least salted up and taken care of and everything for tomorrow. So tomorrow's supposed to be sunny. It's gonna be cold, but it's it will be sunny, so that it usually will have some. You know, that usually helps with the roads a little bit. Um, anywhere where they've actually been able to get it mostly down to the bare pavement. So hopefully the, hopefully the sledding is, it's literally sledding is a little better tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's going on out there with us right now is outside of my house here uh, in beautiful suburban Memphis, Tennessee. But all I know is I woke up this morning, it was 70 degrees and I said, what the fuck? Cause it's been very for for the mid south has been very cold the last like three four weeks, uh, including even last night I was out to dinner with my wife and it was pretty cold and I had a winter coat on and then I leave the house this morning and go oh my god it feels awesome out here it is so warm and when I relay that sentiment to my wife she lets me know that you're not supposed to feel good about how warm it is because of how cold it has been and how cold it's going to be tomorrow which is perfect tornado weather. And I'm like, oh, I didn't think of that. And sure enough, it's been storming and raining out out here and uh, it's getting colder and it's supposed to be like 15 degrees tomorrow morning. So rain plus going down below freezing uh, equals probably uh, some ice on our roads as well. And that's much worse for us because here in the Mid-South, as we've talked about many times, they're not equipped for uh, wintry, mix or or icy weather or icy roads or anything like that they, they don't have giant piles of salt sitting around waiting to be used on the roads because it's not the midwest or the north uh so they don't anticipate stuff like that so if it is indeed freezing rain out there um I, I don't have uh i don't have to work tomorrow i have tomorrow off it's my last off day of the year and i'm so glad for that i don't have to deal with whatever is going on out there right now i could just stay in my house and, and relax. And my wife even wants to, to go to a, some sort of brunch tomorrow morning because we rarely have uh, Sundays where we're uh, at home together. And she wanted to go out and, and go to this place for, for brunch. But if the roads are what I think they might be, we're not even going to do that much. We're just going to stay in the house and, and cook up eggs and watch some football. So either way, I'm looking forward to not having to navigate those streets uh, in my, in, in my uh, wife's uncle's truck. That's going to be staying in the backyard uh, on the driveway, uh, and, and it's not moving until Monday. I promise you that. That's probably a good idea, especially yeah. down there. I mean, I we just got you know probably seven eight inches of snow in the, in, in this neck of the woods, and it, it, 
everybody everybody still does their going out and you know, not the unnecessary stuff though. So you know, right. people will will they will scale back, but this is the first big snow that we've had. We had a, we did have a snowstorm last Sunday too, um, but it it was just a few inches. But that was the first one. Once you get the first big dump, everybody way overreacts to it, and then it's just oh now it's winter, and it'll be really easy going the rest of the winter now. So people will be uh, they'll go out more and. You know, it won't be like this whole, you know, everyone's got to be on lockdown because it's the first big snow. It's always the first one and it kind of gets everybody's like minds warped. Uh, you know, everybody forgets how to drive. It was always that way in Chicago. You know, the first time it would uh, start to snow flurry. Everybody just lose their shit. Wouldn't know how to drive anymore. Uh, you never went through that. You didn't have to experience that in Chicago. Um, but I can only imagine no. what it's like in Memphis. Where everybody, right, I mean, people down there drive too, crazy. No, it's fine um, in regular conditions, normal weather. It's it's pretty much fine. What what they do in Memphis is the, anytime it rains hard, anytime it's a heavy rain, people forget how to drive. You, people start hitting their blinkers and uh, driving forty miles an hour on the on on I forty, and it's just like, come on, really? Get it? Really? It's rain. Come on, it's just go. Just let me get home. You can. Do whatever the fuck you want after you get out of my way. Just let me get home because I know how to drive and this stuff. And I, I'm a rookie driver compared to a lot of these people out here. I've only been driving for four years, so it's 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 crazy. Uh, but yeah, I remember being in cars and on uh, public transportation in Chicago when it would start to snow and and people would completely lose their their minds. And but at least that's understandable. No one likes to go sliding around in slush and stuff. Uh, trying to drive and navigate those roads in Chicago uh, and, and trying to navigate the potholes and everything else. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it, 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 I can imagine how frustrating it was. If you know what you're doing, you know what your car can do and you're behind somebody who doesn't have any idea what their car can do. So they got to drive 20 miles an hour and crawl along as slow as possible because they're afraid of what's going to happen if they try to speed it up. Yeah, that'll piss you. That'll piss you off really quickly. I, I certainly understand that. But it, it, it's not the it's not the case down here because we don't get snow. It's it's heavy rain that makes people drive like that. It drives me crazy. Well, I, I mean, I remember uh, hearing stories from you know when my grandparents lived down there that you know you, they'd get a half an inch of snow and schools would close. Yes, that's still the case. Yeah, my wife definitely roots for snow insane. all the time, so that she doesn't have to go to work. Any snow, any snow. That's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the mid south. I can remember. I can remember having to go to school in blizzards, and they would they wouldn't cancel school in oh, a blizzard. Many stories of that that we could get into. <laughs> many many stories. Yeah, the one that crazy. I always tell. Uh, the 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 two stories that I always tell. Uh, the one from childhood of the day, and we may not have been, this may have been the two years that we were not going to the same school together in seventh and eighth grade. I think I was going to Ogden. But there was a day that was so cold that all the public schools were closed. Like, we weren't allowed to go. They would have allowed us to go, but it was that cold. I think the high temperature that day was minus five. And it was it was just a safety issue. They didn't want you... They didn't want the kids out getting exposed uh, to those elements because so many kids have to to walk to their their schools or you know 
we were getting bust, but not every kid obviously has that luxury. A lot of them that live so close to their schools, they don't have a bus to get them there. They have to walk. So they just didn't want their kids out in that in such cold temperatures. And also they didn't want to have to be uh, responsible for having all those kids in a school where if the pipes burst, now you have all these kids and they can't go to the bathroom or they can't wash their hands or anything like that. They can't get hot water. Uh, they didn't want to have to deal with that. So it was so cold that all the, 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 all the public schools were just canceled. It was just too cold. You have to stay home. You cannot come to school. I still was out in those elements that day. Why? My grandmother needed cigarettes. I have to hey, that's, walk to that's important right there. <laughs> school the weather was so bad that school was completely canceled and I still had to to put on all my winter gear and get out of the house because my grandma needed her cool lights. So uh that was unbelievable because I heard all the, the rumors of stuff. It's so cold. If you spin in the air, it'll be frozen by the time it hits the ground. And I'm like, oh, come on. That's just silliness. And sure enough, I got out there and spin in the air and it was frozen before it hit the ground. I'd never seen anything like that. I've never felt cold like that. It was, I, I thought my face was gone because I couldn't feel it anymore. It was so numb. And, and but there I was out there in the alley walking through uh, to, to go to the to the little neighborhood grocery store because my, my grandma needed her cigarettes. And, and the other story I tell is, of course, the, the Snowmageddon from uh, right before I moved down here, actually, uh, a little over five years ago uh, in February. So I guess it would be under six years ago. But in February of 2011, um, we got a snow rate of about an inch of snow an hour for straight 24 hours. So about 24 inches of snow in Chicago by the time that was finished. Most people with a brain did not go to work that morning after that snow had finished falling. I ventured out of my house to try to go to work. And as short as that little block walk to, uh, to the bus stop from my house usually is, it was unbelievably long and treacherous because I was walking through snow that was so deep it was literally up to my thighs and there were there was no uh tracks or anything for me to walk through to to sort of cut down on how much work I had to do to get through all that snow it was it was up to my knees and there were no cars coming down that side street and there were no other people walking so it was all me there was one set of footprints uh, on that entire street, and it was it was all me. And I can't really explain why I ventured out to go to work that day, except I, I knew no one else was going to be at work, and that work was going to have to get done by somebody, and, and I just decided that I was going to be the guy to go do it. I, I have no idea why I decided to do that. It was so bad that you remember me telling you that there was some old man on, uh, on one of the corner houses. As I walk out of that house, as I fight through the door to get out of my house because the snow was up to the door and I had to like fight to get it open just to even leave my house and had to struggle to get down uh, the little walkway just to get to the sidewalk just to start making this one block walk and there's a guy on uh, one of the corner houses and he sees me walking there's nobody else out there but he's sitting out there just sort of uh, enjoying the the weather I guess I don't know but he's out there and there's no one else out there. And he sees me walking and he yells out to me and I got my headphones on. So I, 
could have pretended like I didn't. Actually, I guess I pretended like I didn't hear him. It's not like I looked back at him, but I did hear him because I didn't have any music playing. I just had my my headphones on. They were big enough to go over my ears, so they saw, they were acting like earmuffs. But I heard him, and he's yelling out to me. He yells out repeatedly, don't do it. Don't do it. He saw me walking through this re- ridiculous amount of snow that was two feet high up to my thighs and I'm stomping through this thing. I'm struggling too, man. I am just struggling like hell to pick up my my feet and put them down in all of this pillowy soft snow. It was one of the toughest things physically I've ever done. And basically when I got like halfway through, when I got halfway down that block, it was about a half hour or so it took me to do that. And unfortunately, by that point, I basically decided I got to keep going because I've come this far. So what the fuck? You know, I'm not going to turn back around now. I've already put this much work in. And it was tough. I almost uh, I almost didn't make it because stuff started happening with my body, like overheating and whatnot. And at one point I stopped and and felt like I wanted to take a knee, but the, the snow was so soft and pillowy. I figured if I went down right now. I'm not getting back up. There's no way. There's nothing for me to get back up on. I'd have to pull my my own body up because there's nothing to really support me and help me get back up. So I, I was just thinking, I can't go down. I can't go down. But I was breathing really hard, and I was starting to sort of see stars and whatnot. And it was uh, it was it was hairy there. It, it was it was not a, a good feeling there. But I made it. I, I took a breath and, and recovered and and went forward and, and made it. And uh, the the other interesting part about that day is when I finally get on the bus, uh, that it was just, I can only imagine how much of a free-for-all it was in, in other parts of the, of the city, because on my bus that I got on, they actually pulled over, the bus driver actually pulled over after we drove about four blocks or so, and he pulled over for the express purpose of the the other the only other two people on that bus got off the bus after he pulled over and i'm not listening i'm i'm you know trying to catch my breath and, and trying not to die so i didn't i wasn't listening to the conversation but he, he pulls the bus over the the other two passengers got off the bus went into a liquor store stayed in there for about 5 or 10 minutes came back out with bags of liquor Got back on the bus and the bus driver kept driving. So it was one of those days where pretty much anything goes. I'm shocked he even let me uh, or made me pay or wanted me to pay for the ride because it was just uh, it was craziness, man. But uh, that that was a, that was a day that I will never forget. And it was so fitting that I, I got this job down here and was able to move uh, to Memphis a couple of months after that because what a perfect send off! What a what a what a memory from. Chicago winters to, to take as I move out of Chicago and go to the mid to the to the mid south, uh, Snowmageddon of 2011, uh, a day that I will absolutely never forget. I I can remember many snowstorms, and I remember the snowstorm in one of my earliest childhood memories: a snowstorm in '79 that crushed the garage next to our house. Oh. So that was that blizzard. That was the blizzard in '79. That's one of the more documented, more famous ones in Chicago. But so much snow—it was this heavy snow. That heavy, wet snow came down that it actually collapsed the garage next to our house. Yeah, that snowstorm that was, got the, the yeah. mayor fired, right? 
Yeah, it was the uh, the the Blandic one. Uh, it was him when when and then Jane Byrne became the mayor. Right. So yeah, that was that was one of the ones where they, the, the the preparedness for the snowstorm was apparently not very good and got got the man booted out of office. He, he got sent to packing. Yeah, memories so, of yeah. treacherous Chicago weather. <laughs> yeah, and I remember a New Year's uh, when I was working. Um, a New Year's Day snowstorm that hit in Chicago that we got 20, 22 inches of snow. And I remember because I worked, I only worked about four blocks from my house. And it was, it was January 1st. It was a New Year's Day snowstorm. And I remember I dug my car out in March. <laughs> That's how bad my car, I mean, well, I was walking, I just walked to work, you know, um, right. I didn't have to, you know, so I just walked back and forth and my car was piled under the, the plows, put so much snow on my car. You didn't even know my car was there. That's how big yeah, that I, dump was. The, the snowmageddon of 11, I certainly remember that too, that there were cars on the street that just had snow on it for the next several months and just obviously were not being moved by anybody because why would you? You know, just wait for it to melt and uh, and, yeah. and get in get in it after that, which whatever month that is, that it finally all melts away. I remember that first day uh, going to work after the snowstorm because the streets were plowed, but the sidewalks weren't, and everybody and everybody hadn't shoveled. I actually walked right down the middle of the street mm-hmm. to get to work. Now, There's nobody to, at work. There's nobody there. Couldn't step the only through that people, soft, pillowy snow. Yeah. Who would do that? The only people. The only people dumb enough to be out in that were people who had to go to work. Right. Anybody who had a choice stayed home. Yeah. I, we had with that office that I worked in at that job in Chicago that I went through hell to get to that job. Norm on a normal day, there's probably about a hundred people that worked in that office that day. Um, I, well, I can't speak for every part of the of that floor, but in my little section, there's like five. There's like five of us there. <laughs> That's so, crazy. As I knew, nobody would would come out in that stuff, but uh, I, I should. I, I remember. I, I remember going to. I remember going to school in a blizzard in, jeez, uh, eighth grade. And it, you know, this is ninety, and it's horrible. I mean, the school should have been canceled. It's a Valentine's Day blizzard. Um, in eighth grade, 1999. And I remember getting on the bus, um, and getting to school. And I, I remember in some of the classes, there was me and like two other kids and everyone's right. like, well, what are we doing here? You know, nobody showed up. I did have perfect attendance though. That's that, 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 that half of the year though. That's that second semester in eighth grade. I had perfect attendance. I even went in a blizzard. Now, Valentine's Day 1990, I definitely remember uh, because I was going through some things at that age. And, that was a foot to 14 inches of snow. That was a big one. Yeah, uh, but I was I was being bused to my school. I was going to Ogden, like I said, yeah. on, the, on, the, on the North Shore. And I was going through some feelings and romantic things back then so i remember that valentine's day very well because it was terrible terrible weather uh after the blizzard i think it was a cold rain that morning and i ventured through all of that 
to walk to a florist a few blocks from the school after the bus dropped me off at that school so that I could buy a rose for the girl that I had a huge crush on. And it was the weirdest thing because I'm sitting, I'm standing there after I go through all of this, I'm dripping wet. The rose is dripping wet. I'm standing in the auditorium. The auditorium is full of kids because of the bad weather. Uh, we, we weren't going into the, uh, we weren't going to recess. I remember now we normally the bus drops us off the, however many buses we have of kids, they drop us off at the, at the, the at the, at the school and we go right to the playground and, and, and monkey around and, and play around at recess before we have to go in for, for classes. Well, there was no playing around because the weather was so bad. So all the kids were in the auditorium. So I, I have to do this. I would have been doing it in front of everybody anyway on the playground but instead I have to do it in the auditorium because that's where everybody is. So I'm taking this beat up rose that I've gone through hell to get and I'm dripping wet and I'm just, you, know, you couldn't have possibly presented it any scuzzier or any dirtier than, than I did just as far as just physical uh, grime and, and not presenting myself as, you know, as my best, as clean and crisp as I possibly could have. Uh, it, it was, it was bad. And she just kind of looked at me and took pity on me and, and accepted the, accepted the rose. And I, I was proud. I thought I did what I was supposed to do as a man. You know, I, I, I got my woman, her rose, I got her her flower. I'm supposed to, it wasn't my woman at all. She didn't give a rat's ass about me. She never did, but she took pity on me and, and, accepted the rose anyway so i certainly remember that day because it, it was bad and i went through hell to get that rose but i damn it that's what i was intending to do ah those days <laughs> the, the young and awkward days those were fun oh my gosh oh so many memories <laughs> yeah there's stuff that I, I i i know there's so much that i've forgotten and there's stuff that I don't want to remember. So it, yeah, uh, uh, those days. Okay, that, that's 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 a good that's a good ending point for the show. <laughs> I've, had long, us, I've had I've had uh, a I've bad had a memory week. we really don't want to get into. Yeah, no, I've just had a long week. Um, these uh, these long days and these long drives are just wiping me out. Yeah, I, I certainly understand that. Uh, but but it's the season. You're making your money, right? Uh, not right now. <laughs> that uh, was last month. This month's not so much. Hmm. Well, I figure it's with December. the Christmas coming up, everybody was was getting their electronics on. Well, it's it's not so easy when there's uh, what would what would you call it? Snowstorms going on right now. Yeah, and, and the yeah. ice cold. So that, that that's been keeping the economy down. It's it's hurting everyone around here right now. Nobody wants to go out in this. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, hopefully it'll get better uh, in the next week or so. Yeah, but hopefully, I'm just ready for Christmas to get here. Ready for yeah. Christmas to get here and spend. Uh, I've got a four day weekend for Christmas and spend some time with my kids. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yep, I hear you. I've uh, got my birthday coming up uh, in the middle of next week. And oh, that's right. That's right. Getting ready to go get some, I guess, some prime rib from, from Houston's. Uh, they got a great prime rib place. Now. They got a lot of great 
prime rib places here because it's you know the mid south. There's plenty of great places to get good steak, good barbecue, of course. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna go out to Houston's and, and get this bone-in prime rib that they had. I, I swear it's I've never tasted a prime rib quite like that. So I, I'm looking forward to to that again to see if it's as good as it was the first time I had it. So. At least I figured out what I want to do for for my birthday, so that's something I'm looking forward to. Well, that's good. You should you should enjoy that. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, we good for Tuesday at nine o'clock for our recap? Uh no, I won't be home Tuesday evening, so we'll have to do it oh. uh, Wednesday. And I know Wednesday is usually a late one. That's right. After my bowling league, where I have to so. try to remember how to bowl, because apparently I've forgotten. Um, so yeah, uh, so Wednesday will be 10 o'clock central time for our recap for that. Yep. That um, works for me. I'll, I'll be there. Now next weekend, um, as you may be aware, um, that all the games are taking place on Saturday because they don't want to interrupt the, the sanctity of Christmas Sunday. So we definitely right. have to do the show on Friday. There's no other way to do it. Um, so hopefully you don't have anything to plan Friday. Uh, Friday, you know, no, Friday at work. You know, so Friday, I, I'll, it'll be a late show if we do Friday, unless we just try to combine everything into Wednesday. But I know that would drive you nuts, because you'd be neurotic. Oh, God. Yeah, there's no injury news on Wednesday. There's, there's, I have no idea who's playing at that point. But <laughs> that's, well, Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Friday's a late show is completely fine with me. And, you know, hopefully yeah, it'll, it'll have to be Friday late. You. No, it won't be because I'm off Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, so it won't be too bad. Okay, that's good. All right, there's our schedule for all of next week for those of you interested enough to listen. Uh, Recap show for week 15, Wednesday, 10 p.m. Central, 11 p.m. Eastern. Picks show for week 16, Friday night, 10 p.m. Central, 11 p.m. Eastern. Join us if you dare, if you're that big of a fan of our witty repartee. He is Jay. I am Dre. This is in much less detail the podcast. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy your football tomorrow, and we will be back at you Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Central. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.